On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. What up? Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. I am your host today. Ken LaVica is gone, so I am going to hold it down for you today. My name is Dean Thomas. You've seen me on the UFC broadcast. I work on the ESPN desk. And now, to, and I also, duh, Josh Cohen and the home team from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.3 here every day. Still joined by my man. You know him. You love him. You listen to him every day. That is Stone Banowitz. That's right, baby. Hey, Dean, you think people are excited to hear your voice? I that, doubt that, it. Rather than Ken? Of course, everybody likes change, especially change like this. Right, like, like they come into today thinking they're going to listen to Ken Levick alive, right? Whether they're driving, dropping deliveries off on lunch break, and they're like, all right, let's see what Ken's got today. But no, it's Dean Thomas. Well, there's a big difference, and I'm going to tell you all right now, there's a big difference. Normally, when you hear Ken Levicka, he's mad about something, he's yelling at somebody, he's pissed off at somebody, and I'm different. With the optimistic bun. I'm optimistic. I like to... I like to look at the world through rose-colored glasses. You know what I'm saying? I like to look at the world and be like, yo, what's up? What's happening? That's how I am. I'm not like Ken. I'm not mad at everybody for no reason. Yeah, and your nickname's the Hope Dealer. I'm the Hope Dealer. I love it. That's right. I deal out hope every day. So if anybody wants some hope, holla at your boy. It's a beautiful Wednesday, Dean. Beautiful Wednesday. In 30 minutes, we got Nigel Harris coming on. Y'all know I'm Port St. Lucie resident, Port St. Lucie native, now going to UF. He's also been... A friend of my son for many, 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 many years, and uh, they hang out all the time. So I wanted to talk to him about why he went to UF. That's coming up about 30 minutes. Yeah, so Dean's talking about an offensive tackle at IMG Academy. Originally was a Port St. Lucie Jaguar, I believe, and he followed Jamar Chaney to Florida. Signed on early National Signing Day. And, yeah, we're going to chop it up with them, what, in half an hour here, 1230? About 30 minutes. See what's up with my man. Excited to do that. I think that's a kid that will obviously be watching on Saturdays. In these next coming years, but most importantly, don't want him hearing this. But I think he's a kid who will play on Sundays too. That's the, and that's the thing is I mm-hmm. want to get to him early. See, like that's the one thing I know about people. Stone is that you got to get to him early because then when it's later, they gonna remember you. Oh, one hundred percent. Because that because you try to call like now when he playing on Sundays, I can call him like yo, now nah, they call you know come on the show, hang out with us. He gonna be down to do it. But if I wait till then till he get there and I forget about him now. It's gonna be too late. Yeah, because he's still an 18-year-old kid. So it's like, hey, Najee, come uh come hang out with us on ESPN radio. And he's like, Whoa. Yeah, you he, know, ESPN radio, Dean Thomas. Is that Stone Lebano? It's yeah. And then in five years, when they, you know, he's signing or getting paid seven hundred and twenty-six thousand dollar game checks, playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah, it's a little different. Maybe he won't give us his time of day, but I, no, I, I he love will, that. No, point. He, he's still gonna remember us because we go because we remember him now. He's still gonna remember us because he always gonna look at me like Uncle Dean. That's fan. That's right. He's always gonna see it that way. But if we wait, he's gonna be like, man, who are these clowns? Uh, so that's what we gotta we gotta get them now. That's the one thing I learned about about the game. We gotta catch people early. One hundred percent. So at inst- on Instagram, he's at K N I J E A H. Check him out, Najee Harris. Seven seven two kid. Kid uh, seven seven two. Hanging out in our neck of the woods. We'll chop it out with him here. He's gonna be a Florida Gator. We uh, should have hollered at him for National Signing Day. We did the show. We were on air from ten to six, but 
IMG Academy kid, though, Dean. So we had to show love to the kids in the area. Well, I mean, he's he's still from Port St. Lucie, though. Hey, I, I know. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's, just, a, back, he, he's just back a, there this weekend. He's just a step above some of the kids well, that, that that we got in our area here. So <laughs> we'll just we'll just rub it in. It's no big deal. All right, we'll talk about step above. How about your boy Luka Doncic? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love it. Say, Did I say it right? Doncic. Doncic. A lot of people say it differently though. Doncic. So it can't knock you. Well, listen. You know what I'm saying? He come from one of them Eastern European blocks, and it's hard to say their names. And <laughs> I have to try to say their names on the broadcast. And everybody knows that when the name is tough, I always just go with the first name. <laughs> it's just Luca. Yeah, yeah. Because you know what I'm saying? Like you, I don't even want to embarrass them or embarrass myself. Sure. And. Make them look bad by butchering their last name, so I just go with the first name. So Luca had the game of a lifetime last night, 60-21-10. Oh God, Stone Stone Labanowitz. Now, when you saw this, so what did you think? It's interesting here because I, I would like to know how everybody viewed this, and if you didn't, shame on you. So last night I was, I usually, I you know, Dean, I watch everything that I possibly can. So because you I, bet on everything that you possibly can. Okay, I think relax. You got a problem, man. We need, we need to make sure we relax. Talk to you about that. Not a right. single dollar was bet. That's not all right. at all was going on. Last all right, my bad, my bad. I call it research. My bad. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. I call it research. So I had the games going on. I was watching a few bowl games. The guaranteed rate bowl, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. I had that up on my computer screen. I got a TV going with another game, and I, I started getting some tweet notifications. Hey, Luca, this guy's unworldly, or Luca going off. And I'm like, all right, let me tune in. So I tune in with about a minute left. These guys are down. The game's over. Well, it's not over. Luca just willed his team to overtime. And I believe, Christian, we do have that audio of the last free throw. So they're down three points, or they're down two points. He has one free throw left. Obviously, I think there is. I want to say four seconds left in this game. Here's Luka Doncic forcing his team to overtime after, I think, being down, what, 13 points late in this game. Nothing shocks me about this game. And that drew rim. It's still loose. Luka got it back. He did it. He did it. An improbable comeback by Dallas to tie it with one second left. It's unbelievable. It is a miracle. It's overtime. Stranger things and then the, the Mavs go on to score 11 in overtime, seven of them from Luka's hands. Ridiculous stuff. So team. that so that uh, play right there that we just heard got him into overtime. Got him so, into overtime. So, okay, because I watched, I watched yeah. the play, and I was kind of wondering, like, he bricked, he bricked the free throw. On purpose. Yeah, so that he could get the ball back and then shoot the little, the little floater in. The little floater. The little floater. Dean, it, it doesn't happen very often. Like, you won't see that, I, I don't think, in the next year. Like, people try it. Yeah. All the time. So they're down two points and you have one free throw left. Yeah. So the opposing team knows that mm-hmm. you're going to miss on purpose, mm-hmm. but it's a matter of getting the rebound, right? They fumbled that one. Luca ended up getting it and threw in that little floater and, and it ended up forcing them to go into overtime. It's ridiculous stuff. I thought, so I thought that that was kind of against the rules to be able to brick a free throw like that. You would think. Right. It's, but it's not. You can do that. Yeah. You most definitely Because can I do know, it. like in the, in the streets, like when you play street ball, you just flat out. You know, throw a strike at the backboard and get it back. Yeah, but you can't do that here for sure. So in the streets, a person who threw that brick off the backboard is catching a bow right yeah. to the chin or yeah. to the lip or to the nose. Like this is kind of different. And I think why it's legal is the percentage of success. Uh, I'm sure it's really small. So then, yeah, they're just like you. If you want to try that, then go ahead. I gotta think that's yeah. the case. It's like go ahead. You're like, yeah, cr- that's a stupid idea. <laughs> but if you want to try it, go ahead. And from a ref standpoint, like it's gonna end the game sooner. Like if we don't get this rebound, yeah, the clock's gonna run out. So yeah, you know, have at it. Try yeah, your just best. Go ahead, do do what you can but, do. But Dean, I mean, uh, 
just looking looking at this, this is the most points in a game by any Maverick right, in franchise history. It's his career high in points at 60, his career high in rebounds at 21, which is ungodly. Most 50-point games in Mav history, that's Luka, and he's obviously the first NBA player to admit he needs a recovery beer. Christian, this was my favorite part of the entire game, right? I kind of had a, like a this weird feeling in me once this game was over. I'm like, did I just witness history? Like, I didn't want to go on Twitter yet. I didn't want to share it with anybody. I was like, am I sitting oh, right so here? So, like, as you was doing it, you was, like, kind of contemplating whether was. this was a, a moment in history that everybody's going to remember exactly where they were. 100%. And then he dropped this line, and I was like, yep, this is historic. Thank you, follow well, Luca. It's never been done in NBA history. A 60-point, 20-rebound, triple-double. 60 points, 20 boards. Never, it never happened, baby. How's it feel right now? I'm tired as hell. <laughs> Luca drops the I need a recovery beer. <laughs> how dare he? How dare he? He's supposed to be a role model. How, how old is he? Is he even old enough to drink? God, man. I mean, of course he is. Of course. Is he, he is. like 23, 24? Yeah, he's very, very young. I, I know he's under the age of 25. I, I know that. Or he's right on that cusp. So, but that's a big, that's kind of a big thing. I know that, like, especially in Europe, I, I spent some time in Germany. And those guys drink beer to recover. Oh like my god! Germany, they drink beer to recover. Like, and it's like I guess it's got like good carbs and all that stuff. And uh, and it does. It, so, I remember when I was in Germany, I would drink what they called a Radler, and that and I'm telling you, it's so good, Stone. With, I mean, I know you I know, with a few D's, Radler, Radler. Okay, not Rattler. No, no, two two D's. A Radler. Yeah, Radler. Okay. A Radler. And that was they take beer and they mix it with Sprite. Oh, it, Jesus Christ! And it was so good. I do remember that. Like, I don't drink. I don't drink no more. But I, I do remember drinking Rattlers, and it was so good. And now that I'm thinking about it, like, that would probably be the best recovery drink ever because it's got, like, a sweet taste to it, and it goes down. It's nice and smooth. Yeah, and ginger ale and Sprite tend to kind of uh, settle the stomach a lot of the time. So I'm sure it could just bring you back down to earth. Yeah, man. So Luka Doknich is a, an alcoholic. <laughs> He's not. It was actually a few, a, a few years ago he was caught having a beer. It was during the middle of the season. And somebody had tweeted it, and it was like, God forbid, you know, this 20-whatever-year-old has has himself a beer. I don't mind it at all. I love that he dropped the quote. It's pure honesty. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I, and I'm just giving him a hard time, but I do love what he did. Like, he just he came out and was honest. He was like, man, I'm tired as hell. Like, I'm tired Give as hell. Give me a beer. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I think that's the those are the guys we respect the most. They're but not the, going to hide. But the reality is, is that he's earned that right to say it. And this is what I always, listen, if you do something great, like if you go out there and you prove to the world, like you put yourself on the line and you prove to the world that you can be great, you have the right to say whatever you want. And who the hell is anybody else that tells you anything differently? But there are people out there that, that, that think that you should uh, show more humility and show, you know, be this or be something else. I'm like, listen, if you if you do it, you can do what you want. That's, and I remember when I lost a fight once. And everybody was like, you know, I lost, I lost to BJ Penn. I lost a fight to BJ Penn. And people were like making fun of me. And I said, and I said, well, if I don't want people to make fun of me, I better not lose. And uh, I, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Gangster talk. Yeah. And if I want and if I win, don't say nothing when I talk trash. Because <laughs> I'm the one who won. I'm the one who put the work in. I'm the one who went out there. I'm the one who did it. Don't say nothing if I talk trash. Because I put the work in. And I've earned the right to talk trash. Dean, I mean, it's real spill. And I, I think if I had to relay it over on my side, because one hundred percent, I I know what you're 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 talking about. 
me who's somebody who's a little outspoken, right, doesn't know how to shut up, I would always give bulletin, bo bulletin board material out in mm -hmm. some of these interviews. A lot of the times I would do when I was playing football, and everyone's like, relax, relax, like you can't do that. And it's like, hey, if I'm going to prepare just as hard and be ready to go in this game and know exactly what my keys are, what my reads are, what the goal is, then I can say whatever I want to say. It's not going to affect my preparation before I go into on the field or before I go into the ring. Let me say what I want to say before the game. Let me say what I want to say after. I'm still going to prepare the same exact way. Well, that's what I'm saying. And no one knows how, well, not even just like giving you the, you know, allowing you to do it, but no one knows how much effort and how much work you put into it. Like, no one knows how much work you put into it and then to be able to go out there in front of the world and execute. No one knows what it took to do that except for you. And then to be able to execute. Then when you do it, you can say whatever the hell you want to say. Yeah, 100%. And think about the world we're living in now to where there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who bet money on the Dallas Mavericks to win that basketball game last night who feel like they played in the game with Luka. Oh, yeah. Who felt, like they, who felt like they put it on the line with Luka. And it's like, good job, soldier. Salute to you. Like, we did it. It's like, you didn't do a damn thing. But that's the beautiful part of sports, I think. And I, and I do love that about the fact that, you know, he, he can kind of take that weight on his shoulders and all them people and all them people. Like, because it's a lot of work. Like, people don't understand that. People just see it. Like, we're, we're looking at it from our TV screens. We could just see these guys playing. But they're in front of millions. They're, they're, they're in front of millions. They know that there's pressure on them, that there's people betting on them. There's a lot of pressure on them. How dare you tell this man he can't have no beer? <laughs> Historic stuff last night. There was a tweet from Kevin Durant that said absolutely video game, video game stuff. Like this was something out of a video game. He, you know, he shot 70% from I, I, he I shot 70%? 68% from the field last night. You know, that's the one thing that I, I kind of appreciate about NBA players is that when somebody does good, NBA players are quick to get on Twitter Amen. And, be, and be like, yo, this dude's balling out. Amen. And like, I don't really are other are other sports this way. I I, I would like to argue that football is in the NFL. Yeah. I, I think they do have a certain respect for each other, but I can't name another sport that necessarily shows as much love as NBA players do to each other. Definitely not MMA. <laughs> MMA, like if a dude is having a good fight, they just talk about the other guy being sorry. Yeah, they like, oh, the other dude was sorry, or it's like, yo, fight me then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me see what you got. What you gonna do with me? You can't. I bet you won't do that to me. <laughs> That's, ex <laughs> that's exactly what you think. But then you got guys in the NBA just completely showing love to each other. You're, you're right on the money I love with that. that, man. I love how when a – and it, it's often. It's it, not just like every once in a while. It's often when a guy has a good game, other NBA players get behind him and are like, yo, man, this dude is balling. Historic moment. This guy is great. This guy's all like, – I love how they have that camaraderie within the NBA community. Yeah, and you see it at a very high clip, like you said, often. And I think – a lot of the times in the offseason, you see a lot of these NBA guys training with each other, right? Or they share the same trainer, and they're in the gym doing runs, open runs, in different cities, kind of bouncing around the country and stuff. You don't see that in any other sport. I think it speaks a lot to Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. He is, like, a very like-minded guy. He's very open about stuff. He's good when it comes to the charitable foundations and stuff. And I think Roger Goodell in the NFL doesn't promote as much positivity, I guess, as Adam Silver. And, obviously, Dana White is... Uh, well, I think he's, he's not. Kinda, uh, he's not. He's, he's not an optimistic. Nah, uh, he no. doesn't see the world in rose-colored glasses. <laughs> no, he like doesn't you. see the world like I do. And honestly, I wish other sports was more like NBA because I've always felt, and especially in terms of MMA and fighters, I've always felt like 
fighters are always at each other's throat. And they're always, oh, I'm trying to sell a fight. But they always end up being at each other's throat. I'm like, you guys have a lot more in common than you have different. And you guys should be on the same team because we all ride the same bus. We're all trying to get more money. We're all trying to, you know, keep the fans from making us feel bad about ourselves. We're all trying to do the same thing. The last thing we need is each other to be going at each other at our throats. And I wish they were more like the NBA. Yeah, and when you look at it as far as the best players in the league, like pairing up, like it's always this GOAT debate, right? We have to decide who's better, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Well, why can't these guys link up and be as one? Yeah, you why can't they just be like, yo, they're both good. Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, we have to have this conversation, right? Who Are you going to get to the 18 majors? Are you going to do it? I bet you just relax and accept our greatness, right? We're from two different generations and link up. You can go to the football all day long. MMA all day long, it's who's the best in the band. Who's the best? Who's, who's the, the best, best who's the in best? the flyweight? Why, why we got to do that? Yeah, why can't it just be like, yo, he was great. He, he runs a, Like, the only thing in NBA that you probably get oh, who's the best is probably the MJ and LeBron debate. Of course. But that's just kind of a, a cliche thing to do. It, it's a very cliche thing to do, and it's funny. We're doing it on Ken Levick Alive. We're talking nonsense on it because Ken hates it so much. He hates the debate? He hates power rankings. He hates when you have to put a player in front of another player and say, who, who's better? Well, because it's, it's it's you can't answer it. Yeah, but that's not really because Ken hates everything. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so like, <laughs> but that one I get. Yeah, but I get. Okay, so like that's one that we can all agree on. Yeah, absolutely. And now what you see every week in the NBA is who is the best player on the planet right now. That's the question that's always asked. Is it Giannis Antetokounmpo? Is it a Luka Doncic after doing what he did last night? Right. We don't even have to say it again. Everybody saw it. And if you didn't, please go watch it. Sixty twenty one and ten. Comes back and beats the Knicks in overtime. But, yeah, I think you're right on the money. I love that point that you brought up that NBA players do show the most love to each other. So, um, so Luka, let's let's talk about Luka for a moment. So, he's a, a special player. What makes him so special? Yeah, this is tough, and I think everyone has a different answer. But for me, it's his tempo, and it's his pace. So, if you were to watch him, right, for the first or second time, you'd be like, God, this guy's so slow. Yeah. Like, this guy's a slug out mm-hmm. there. But he's so methodical, and I think he's so technical that it's really hard to stop him. Like, yeah, you can play that Planet Fitness, that LA Fitness defense. Like, you can throw doubles at him and stuff, but he 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 does, and this is going to relate to MMA. He makes, he, he does stuff with less movement. Yeah. Like, there's no wasted movement in any of his steps, in any of his arms going up or shots going up. Like, it's all precise, and it's so slow that it's annoying to people. So, his tempo and his pacing, I think, is what makes him a different player. So, and that was kind of what I saw when I was watching. When I watch him, is that he's he's so efficient, so efficient. Like he doesn't like he's not going to make any crazy movements, but he's not going to make a mistake. He doesn't make mistakes often. Yeah, he I, just kind of is always in the right position, and he kind of just does what he does. Not fast, but it just does what he does. That's really accurate, and I and I hate to pull this card and compare him to an MMA fighter, but he is the Khabib. Or he is somebody who just waits around to pounce or is going to let you make a mistake and then be right there to, you know, capitalize on it. Well, I would, I would say, you know, more so Khabib because Khabib could be pretty reckless at times. I'd say actually the current champ, Islam Makachev. Yeah. Just he's not going to make a mistake. He's, you know, he's rather large for his size. Yeah, absolutely. He's not going to make a mistake and he's just going to be right in, your, in the right position at all times. He's not fast, not overly powerful, but just Always in the right spot, always at the right time, always makes good decisions. That's very accurate. That's on par with what Luka does. Uh, that's his brand. And I, I think a lot of the times, too, that a, a novice, uh, somebody who's a casual NBA fan, doesn't understand how well he distributes the ball and gets his teammates involved. Right? Like You may turn on this Mavericks game 
and realize, hey, I don't know any of these players. But these players think they're all-stars. Like, they think they're playing along one of the greats. And he's able to distribute the ball so well. Ten assists so he doesn't. Night. He doesn't have a. Uh, I mean, we've obviously established he's not a, f- a flashy player, but he doesn't play selfishly. Absolutely, he's probably one of the most least selfish players in the league. Right? When you run up these triple doubles, triple double numbers, there are a few guys that have the numbers that Luca has, and he's very, very young. You look at LeBron James; he's somebody who we know can distribute the ball really well, but he's so complete. And you said he's not flashy. I, it's funny because I would put him. Up there as a flashy player, like he now, is reckless at times. Oh, really? Because he knows he knows the situation that his team's in a lot of the time. If they're down eight, he's going to shoot the next five shots from behind the three point line just to try to get his team back in the game. And if it fails, it's okay. We had a chance, Luca. Thank you for trying. And if it's a success, yeah. Well, then you're an all time legend. And that's like what he does on the regular. Like a lot of people don't watch all of these NBA games. There are so many games. Luka Doncic jacks up. 25, 30 shots a night, and you wouldn't even know it. It might be 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah. Or 9 p.m. on a Sunday. Like, Luke is jacking up the shots, playing reckless and stuff like that. But his tempo, his pacing, his ability to distribute the ball makes him just absolutely lethal. But the real question that I want to know about Luca is, what's up with his mom, though? Remember, she should come to the games. I don't know. His mom was kind of fine. Did you? Did, I, I remember when he first got drafted, everybody was talking about his mom. She was kind of fine. I've never seen Luka Doncic's mom. Yeah, man. She, I remember her. She first was coming to the games when Good he first look. got drafted. I was like, I was like, man, what's up with her? Good looking out. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. And it looks like Christian right now. The Silent Assassin's actually looking her up right now. I cannot wait to get a glimpse on Luka Doncic's mother. I don't on, know, man. Dean. I don't know, man. Dean. You can't see from here. As Dean, far. you just got my hopes up. I'm I'm old, you know what I'm saying. So like, uh, my eyesight is, isn't mm. as good as. It I guess it's a good call. I'll tap in later. See if she's got a any social media platforms and yeah. stuff. I got. I might, I might try to. I might try to hit her, hit her up. You know <laughs> good. Luck. I, I might pull that ESPN card on her. Tell her. Ask Yo, her I'm on the air. That's right. Ask her if she wants to share a Rattler with yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> so this was a special moment. Luca Doncic. Yes. Doncic. Luca. I'm not going to. I'm not going to butcher his last name. I know you guys are laughing at me. Might as well not even try it. So, last night, scored 60, 21 rebounds. Mm. Was it 10 assists? That's what it was? Yes, sir. 10 assists. Um, so, Stone, where were you when this happened? I was at the crib. You I was crib watching, watching it. You remember, I, I, you remember watching it in real time? In real time. Like, this is going to be a historic moment. I was dialed in. So, I didn't watch it. I read about it afterwards, and, you know, everybody's been talking about it. It's obviously topic A for today. But what other sports moments do you remember that were historic? And you remember exactly where you were when it happened. Call in. Let me know. What were, what were the moments that really captivated you? 888-760-3776. Call in. Let me know. Where were you when a very historic moment in sports happened? And how did it affect you? This one's easy for me. And I'm going to pull uh, Jalen Hurts into the mix here, who you think is arguably— He's the greatest quarterback of all time. The greatest quarterback Jaylen of Hurts. all time. If you guys uh, aren't aware that Dean thinks Jalen Hurts is the greatest quarterback of all time, tune in four to six each and every day. Mm-hmm. Josh Cohen and the home team with Dean Thomas and Tina. Dean is preaching the Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts, Warren Moon, and Randall Cunningham <laughs> in that order. <laughs> well, there's a reason I pulled this card for you today because Jalen Hurts got benched in this game that I'm talking about that is so historic. So in 2017, this was the national championship game. This was Tua Tungavailoa. Steps in for Jalen Hurts, who ends up getting benched in a giant game against the Georgia Bulldogs. Don't think you would remember the play, Dean, but it was a third and 36, if I'm not mistaken, and Tua Tungavailoa ends up throwing that game winner and, and, and wins, essentially wins that national championship game. That was the last game 
that I watched remembering or having the same feeling that I did last night watching Luka go to work and win that game. Watching Tua Tagovailoa? Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about him a little bit later, man, because this this boy got problems. He got some problems. He got some, he got some issues going on. We got to get into him a little bit later. But for me, and I always go back to MMA, that's my sport, you know what I'm saying? That's my, that's my expertise. And I got to say, even though I do not like this man, I don't like him on a personal level. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. It's Conor McGregor. Oh. Conor McGregor, when he won the lightweight championship of the world against Eddie Alvarez in New York City in Madison Square Garden, to me, that might have been one of the greatest historical moments in, in MMA if you take into all those factors into context. The fact that it was the very first show in Madison Square Garden, very first UFC in Madison Square Garden. He was fighting up a weight class. Oh, he was going fight. for his second. He was going for his second belt. Right. Against a man known as the king of the streets in Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> yeah, who was, the, who was the champ at the time. So, again, Madison Square Garden going up his second. And he goes out there and within a round put his hands on Eddie. I mean, and it looked like a Luka Doncic performance. Yeah. I mean, just efficient. Like you knew it was different. Just, I mean, it was just, uh, he was just on a different level that night. Every punch he threw hit Eddie and dropped him. <laughs> like, if it, if it didn't drop him, it made him think twice about showing up that night. So, to me, when Conor McGregor did that, when he put his hands on Eddie Alvarez in Madison Square Garden, UFC 2000 or 205, that, to me, was one of the greatest moments. And, I was, and, and the reason why I remember this moment is because I was there. I was actually coaching Tyron Woodley against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. In the co-main That's event. a banger of yeah. a fight as well. Yeah, and that and that fight, uh, Tyron Woodley and Stephen Thompson got fighted the night that night. So I, I I'm a little nervous that you haven't you know said who won that fight yet. I wouldn't be able to against tell you. Tyron Woodley and yeah. Wonderboy. It was a it was a draw. Okay, okay, yeah. no win, no loss. Yeah, it was a it was a draw. So I wanted to ask you this because I love that you you chose Connor, and I know you're somebody who who is very outspoken about not liking Connor personally mm-hmm. or or just you know the things he does outside of the octagon, when you say that that's one of the most historic, you would compare that to Luca's performance last night, or was the last thing that made you feel the same way? Does it not give you any nostalgic feelings about Connor? Do you, does it not, do you not want to see him fight again after, I, no, I don't like, care. reliving no, I, I, that I, I, moment? I, I really don't care. Really? Like, I, no, I really don't care to like, ever you see just him fight ta- again. You just talked in a nostalgic fashion about him putting his hands on Eddie Alvarez. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, you don't want to see that a master class from Connor again? I think the no, entire man, world like, does. Because of what he's, what he's done after that just totally overshadows overshadows any great thing that he's done. Now, I even refer back to Connor. Like, some, t- some of the things that Connor's done in his career— has just been miraculous. Like some of his, you know, his striking has just been like, wow. He changed how, the, he, how did he get away with that? But what he's done recently is just, it just overshadows anything great that he's ever done. But you can't pay any respect for changing the sport in the same light that Steph Curry has, in the same light that Tom Brady has. Like Connor did that to the UFC. You don't want to see this guy. I think, in the I think, I think part I, of it's it, wild. I think, I think part of it has to do with the fact that he can get away with a lot of other stuff. So now I don't want to give him any credit because he can get away with a lot. So he can go out there and punch old men in a bar and then people just be like, ah, just forget about it. You know? And you don't like He can that. break a dude's cell phone and people just like, ah, forget it. Like he's gotten away with so much, so many different transgressions to me that I'm not going to give him any credit for nothing. Sure, and I hear that. And I think that's uh, selfish isn't the word, but I, it's, a little, it's a little short. 
from you. I think a lot of the time is media and in the industry that we're in nowadays, we spend a lot of our time trying to write these guys off. You remember early on in the football season, right? Aaron Rodgers, what a clown, what a loser. He needs to shut up. He needs to stop speaking about this stuff. He's a weirdo. All right, well, let's fast forward now. Here we are in December, January. This guy's got a chance to make the playoffs. He's the best quarterback in the month of December, and we're giving him his flowers again. Kyrie Irving. We had this whole uproar, right, about some of his anti-Semitic comments and everything that he had to say about the Jewish community and all this. We tried to write him off. Well, this guy goes off for 37 and beats a Cleveland Cavaliers team in Cleveland, and we give him his flowers. We talk about he's one of the best hoopers there is. It's like Connor to respect him for being able to fight in the same way that he did. Now, I listen, I love Kyrie. I have a love-hate relationship with Kyrie, but I don't mind him. Who, who do we got on the line? We got Kevin from Palm City. Kevin from Palm City. Kevin, what's up? What's up, man? How y'all doing? I'm good, man. What's popping? What you got for me today? Yeah, so I just, just my, one of my greatest moments, I remember I was living in Tampa at the time, and I was sitting on my couch watching that, uh, it wasn't USC, I forget who did it, it was Dan Henderson versus Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah, that was Strike Force. Uh, Strike Force, yeah, man, and, and I was obviously rooting for my boy Henderson the whole time, and it didn't look good, and all of a sudden, he, he comes sneaking out, and he hit him with like this little behind little uppercut thing and knocked him out, man. I jumped up off my couch and started screaming. Man, that was one of the coolest moments for me. I just had to share that one with y'all. Hey, man, appreciate the call, Kevin. I love, love it. it. Yeah, that was a great moment, you know, because Dan Henderson, like, Fedor was the man. He's probably the greatest heavyweight of all time. I don't care what anybody says, but he definitely, Dan Henderson, put hands on him when he came over here. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to my man, Najee Harris, all the way from, I think he's in Port St. Lucie right now. You should know, Dean. We're, I don't know, man. We're going to find out when he, we'll when he gets on the line. We know he's don't, heading to Gainesville, though. Yeah, we know he's heading to Gainesville. Don't go anywhere. This is Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Your, your life partners? What the hell are you laughing at? No, I just was kind of, you said it kind of funny. You said you was his life partner. Explain to me why that was funny. No, I'm just saying I didn't know that y'all was like that. Okay. You know? I didn't know. But now, I, that I, now that I know, I, I could treat you a little differently. That's what I thought. No, I mean, and when I say differently, I mean with a little bit more respect. <laughs> <laughs> nice save. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Welcome back. Ken LaVica Live. I'm Dean Thomas at Stone Labanowitz. Back here on ESPN 106.3. And as promised... Coming all the way from the IMG Academy, Port St. Lucie's very own, the biggest sellout. The puzzle. Of all of Port St. Lucie. We got my man, Najee Harris. Najee, what's up? What's good? How you doing? I'm all right. Hey, listen, the one thing I want to know first and foremost, man, I got to know because I'm trying to get a tryout for this squad. What was it like playing against Bishop Sycamore? <laughs> <laughs> It was it was a, it was an interesting experience because uh, a lot of the guys you could tell they were a little bit older because they were like shorter like five six five seven but they had full beards so it was like I don't know if these guys are our age you know <laughs> so we're, we're sitting here talking to Najee Harris uh, Najee I apologize um, Dean just asked him about playing Bishop Sycamore who's a famous team that IMG Academy played where obviously none of the players were actually eligible. <laughs> none of them attended a high school. So I want to play for that team. Najee, uh, I obviously apologize for that being the first question when you're hopping on air because you're an Under Armour All-American. You're a big dog, right? Port St. Lucie yes, ended up going to IMG Academy. Now you're heading to Gainesville. 
early signing day. Saw you put pen to paper, man. You excited to get to Gainesville? Oh, yeah, very excited. Been ready for a minute now. You know, excited to get to work, you know. No, why'd you choose Gainesville over, I mean, there were other schools and other opportunities, and, you know, you may not have made some people happy going to Gainesville, and then you probably made a lot of other people happy by going to Gainesville. So what was the ultimate deciding factor in choosing the Florida Gators? Yeah, it was a few things. You know, uh, Florida was actually the first school to offer me uh, back in my freshman year when they were uh, had Dan Mullen, and um, some of the one of the coaches is still there that offered me, and you know, just the familiarity familiarity I had with them. Like, I've been to a bunch of games, been on a bunch of visits there, and you know, every time I came back, it just felt like home. And then the coaches staff, like they were the staff that reached out to me the most, and not only my position coach, it was the running back coach, the quarterback coach, the head coach, the uh, wide receiver coach, all of them were reaching out to me. And it just felt like they wanted me like the most out of all of my offers. So that's another reason why. And also the attention they put into the offensive line. They have two full-time offensive line coaches, which is the only uh, staff in the country like that. And so I just feel like it's somewhere I can go in and succeed. Nanja, you're obviously played a little bit of football at Centennial in Port St. Lucie and were coached by, I believe, for a little bit, Jamar Chaney, who's now also on that Florida Gator staff. How big of a role did Jamar play in getting you to come to Gainesville and the, obviously the relationship you've built with the coaching staff already? Yeah, uh, Chaney actually had left right before I had got to um, Centen, but I also obviously was in communication with him like before going there. And, you know, he was the first person offering me a scholarship. So, like, it was, that was a, a huge thing. Um, someone I've talked to for a long time now and built a relationship with. And, you know, he, he went back to Florida after being at Mississippi State, and he offered me at Mississippi State as well. So that's a connection that, that definitely played a role in that. Love it. That's the 772 putting on, Dean. 772 putting on for each other. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Now, this, now, now, you don't have to confirm or deny or get into too many details about this. Uh-oh. But – you ha- so as an athlete, when they take you on these recruiting trips and you go to these campuses, what was that like? Mm. Mm. What was that like? Oh yeah, it's definitely a fun experience. Um, I actually only took two of my official visits. I took one to Texas A and M, and it was it was amazing. You know, it was fun. You know, they pay for everything: flights, pay for food, uh, hotel, all that stuff. It's really just a fun experience. You know, you. Spend time with the players, spend time with the coaches, you know, go out, have fun, that type of stuff. It's a great experience. But they don't, uh, you know what I'm saying, do they, like, have a couple, you know, eye candies, you know, <laughs> showing you around and, uh, you know, all the good stuff? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's college. so That's, that's, well, I, that's what college. I'm saying. Like, did that have anything to do with your decision to go to UF? Oh, nah, you can, you can find that anywhere. You know, every college has got plenty of women, so that's nothing that went into my decision. Naja, you're doing a really good job avoiding these questions from Dean. You get on here, you're obviously an <laughs> IMG. Savvy. They, they, yeah, they, did they, did they uh, prep you for this? There's, there's no damn doubt at IMG Academy they prep him on how to speak. The first question you asked him was about Bishop Sycamore, a team <laughs> who, whose head coach was arrested and who no, no players were actually eligible to be on the field with them. I'm trying to – hey, listen, I'm, I'm trying to get a tryout for Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> and then you accuse Jimbo Fisher of throwing eye candy Najee's way here when he gets on campus. I love it. Najee, I, I want to talk about some of the finalists you had on you know, your National Signing Day or when it came down to the six schools, I believe, you had on your list. Did Nick Saban yeah. come close? Did Mario Cristobal come close from snatching you away from Florida or no? Was it always Gator? Was it always going to be Florida? I had known for like a few months 
that um I was gonna be a Gator. And so it was some other schools like uh Texas AM and Oklahoma was another one that was really, really close. Um I had a great relationship with them and I kinda knew Florida like from my, I took a visit in the spring, I went to the practice and I was I was on the field, I just like something just came up upon me, like I was like, I gotta be here. Like I know I gotta play here. And so from that point on I knew but I kinda wanted to take a, a while to sit on it and, you know, make sure it was the right decision and it was. Very, very clean. Very yeah. clean. So how did you here. how did you end up at IMG Academy anyway? Like, what was the process of going from Centennial? Because not a lot of people have that that opportunity to be able to go to such a prestigious school to pursue their athletics. How did you get that? Yeah, something that's, also, that's always been like a dream of mine, you know, being a little kid, watching them on YouTube and stuff like that. I never really thought it was something I'd be able to attain. But um, during quarantine, my recruiting started to pick up a little bit. And um, it was actually right as we were able to start going back to practice at Centennial. Like, right after the first practice, I got a DM from um, one of the coaches asking me, like, what I knew about IMG and stuff like that. And I was, like, kind of blown away, like, no way this is happening. So we talked for a little bit. I ended up going to visit up there with my family. And, you know, just the facilities and everything just blew me away. I mean, it's also a tough decision to make, you know, going away from home at a young age. And, you know, uh, sacrificing all my friends, you know, friends like Ethan, I was, I grew up with and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, they reached out to me and, and I decided to make the move. Najee, you are, uh, your life's about to change, buddy. We just had National Signing Day here at ESPN West Palm Beach, where we talked to all the players on the Treasure Coast, all the players in Palm Beach County about the schools that they signed to and obviously what's ahead in the future are you excited or are you ready at that for your life to change, man? You're about to go up to the dorms. Obviously, you're going to have to live on campus for these first few seasons. You're going to have to sit in academic meetings. You're going to have to keep a certain grade, a certain GPA up. You're going to have study hours. Are you ready for your life to change, man? you got to cook food for yourself now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, being an IMG, we do all those things. So it's kind of prepared me for that. You know, uh, being away from home, living on my own, having to be responsible for myself, washing my own clothes. You know, sometimes having to order food or whatever. You know, I'm I'm really excited, ready for that. You know, ready for a new challenge. Being an IMG for a long time, it got kind of repetitive, you know, but I'm ready for a new challenge in college. So yesterday, my son told me that he was out playing ball with y'all. Who broke, oh, yeah, who's, who yeah, broke yeah. whose ankles? He told me he broke your ankles, though. What's going on? <laughs> he's, he's trying to ruin your career already, <laughs> Najee. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Nah, nah, we was all going back and forth. You know, I had to put a few on, on a couple of them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Najee, I wanted to ask you about Billy Napier. Is he, because uh, I would imagine that you've had this decision ready for months, and obviously when the new staff comes in, you know, everything shakes up. Are you, uh, you got full confidence in Billy? He's going to keep holding this thing down in Gatorville? Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, um, just talking to Coach Napier since the first time I met him, it was just a presence about him that, like I can just trust him, and like the things he says says is genuine, and that I, he has a plan. Like if you talk to him, you can tell like he knows what he's doing. He actually has a plan for the entire season. They have a breakdown, step by step process. Each phase of the season, they go through like workouts and you know fall camp and stuff like that. And so it's someone that I can really trust, and I'm excited to play for. Love it, Najee. What was the most memorable moment that you had on a football field? Definitely, um, probably my sophomore year, um, uh, we played our last game, it was on ESPN, and um, 
We uh, won that's the game we uh killed the national championship. We were undefeated. And, you know, just playing out there with my brothers, my uh seniors, you know what I'm saying? Like a few few guys are now going on to play in college football, like JJ McCarthy, he's at Michigan now. Yeah. Uh playing playing a few games with him and, and also like the uh, right tackle at uh, Alabama. He used my um left tackle. And, you know, just spending time with those guys, playing with them is just memories you can't get back. So I mean, like you've obviously made it pretty far and you're doing very well. Has it hit you yet that you're thinking, like, you know what, I could probably play on Sundays? Has that hit you? I mean, yeah, it's 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 the dream, it's the goal. You know, I feel like it won't be as real until you know it gets close to that point. But you know, it's something that I'm working for every day, and it's something that definitely keeps me going. Well, I love it, Najee. Listen. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you coming on the show. Listen, we're all proud of you. Oh, yes. We're, we're happy. We love seeing you doing your thing. Any final words that you have for any of the young athletes out there in the community that may have hopes of being, uh, you know, following in your footsteps? What would you say to them? Yeah, for sure. Just, you know, people say this all the time, but just keep working hard. You know, keep your head down. Keep working. Don't listen to what anybody else says. You know, believe in yourself. And, you know, everything will work out. And Najee, where can the people find you on social media, Twitter and Instagram? Give them the handles. My name is at Najee. Just my name, K-N-I-J-E-A-H. At Najee, that's it? That's it, baby. I love yes, it. Sir. And you know what, man? You are so good at this. Like, he was, he knows his handle. He's easy. He knew how to spell it afterwards. Like, I have a hard time with all this, man. You are so good at this. You are a natural. I look forward to seeing more of you. I can't wait to follow your career. Najee, thank you for the time. We appreciate you. Have a good day, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Good luck, boss. That was Najee Harris, product of Port St. Lucie, now at the IMG Academy, just signed with the University of Florida Gators, giving his uh, take on his thing, man. Yeah. He's doing good, man. You know, we got to give a shout-out to all the people from the area going and doing big things. Yeah, man, that's, and that's what I love about this area is that these, there's opportunity, when I was coming up, like I came up in Port St. Lucie. When I was coming up, <laughs> no one made it out of Port St. Lucie. Nobody. We had have, we have one player that played college football, Larry Green. And he played at uh, Virginia Tech for like two years. And then the other one would be Rick Ankiel. Yeah, and then Rick Ankiel. Rick Ankiel was the one who made it. Rick Ankiel, who also on Josh Corner home team on Wednesdays, Rick Ankiel made it. But besides that, like, I thought it was impossible. Like, Rick didn't even go to college. Like, he went straight to the pros. Yeah. So, for me, when I was coming up, I thought it was impossible to go to college. I was like, what do you have to do to go to college? Because no one here does it. Like, <laughs> no one has been out of here. And then fast forward to 2022, and Najee Harris is going to IMG Academy, now going to the Florida Gators, right? Obviously on scholarship, getting school paid for. And I think it's a kid, a four-star offensive tackle, who has a chance to go play on Sunday. So, love that we're giving him some airtime. Go follow him on social because he is a name that you guys need to know. Yeah. Follow him. All right, when we come back, we take a quick break. When we come back, more nonsense with Dean and Stone. Don't go anywhere. This is Ken LaVica Live. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Welcome back. Ken LaVica Live. Dean, 1063. Dean, I know who, who sings this song? 
I'm gonna get two guesses, but I'm gonna get it on my first try. Okay. Harry Styles. Bingo. Bingo. You know what? It, you know what? I, I like Harry Styles, and the reason why I like Harry Styles is because he spit on um that boy the the Oscars or whatever it was. That's right. Uh, something. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was staged, but if you it probably forward, was staged. That's but, cool. But you know what? Like stars do all kind of dumb stuff in order to bring attention to themselves, and I'm okay with it. Except, Listen, except when it's Conor McGregor. Except for when it's Conor. Well, it depends on what it is, you know. Like, <laughs> like when you do something intentionally to hurt somebody, I have a problem with that. Yeah, right. I, I agree. Like, but if you're doing, if you're staging spitting on somebody for attention, eh, it's a little weird, but. So about what, what, what about when guys like Ken get up on this stage and trash someone's character, right? That's somebody wishing harm upon somebody else. Is yeah, but not? you're just trashing their character. That's, <laughs> listen, sticks and stones, right? Sticks and stones! That's right. Boy, that should be your new nickname. That's not bad. Sticks and stones breaking bones. I already told you, I'm Ken Levick's radio life partner. That's, all right? Man, listen, I, I, however y'all want to live it, y'all get it. Get it how you live. It's not Harry Styles. Harry Styles doesn't sing this? Oh, that's humiliating, Dane. Oh, we thought we were on to something. It's Bruno Mars. Who was it then? One Direction. One Direction. That is Harry Styles, ain't it? I I don't even necessarily think this is One Direction. This is One Republic. Yeah. One Republic. That is Harry Styles, ain't it? D no, it's not at all. This is oh. One Republic. This is the band who was at the I think uh, Amphitheater. I think a few months ago. So listen, some man. of his music got dubbed in here. Well, first off, y'all are both nerds. I'm not. I don't listen to this nerdy music. All well, right. What are we even good for, Dean? If we're just coming on these airwaves talking about this is Harry Styles. I don't people know. Go, go, I don't know. Go download this song from Harry Styles, and people are still searching for it right now. I know. Sorry, sorry, uh, Levick Alive Nation. That was not Harry Styles. It was uh, One Republic. Man, who cares anyway? It's all right. You know what they do care about, though, Dean? What's that? That's Baptist Health. They, yeah, they do care about Baptist Health. And I got a health. question yeah. first for you guys. Are you experiencing foot and ankle pain and need to see an expert in the field? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.com slash orthocare to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources or experienced technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacements, spine and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare for more information to die. Thank you, Stone Labanowitz. Now, we just got off the airwaves with Najee Harris, and it brought me to the point, and I was telling you guys before, is that when I was coming up, there was – Really, no, it didn't seem like there were any opportunities or no real path to being able to play college football or, or, or even to the next level of any sport. So, and you've done it, Stone. You you went to the Salukis and you played football there. Prior to that, you went to uh, junior college. Junior college in, right. in Brooklyn or something. In Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> which is wild. But can you kind of just go over the way your process was? It was a lot different than Najee, right? I didn't have a coach from one of the most prestigious high school slash prep schools in all of the country in my DMs talking about, hey, so, yeah, so, how, did, so how did that happen for you? Like, did you have to go out and find out yourself? Yeah, I most definitely did. I'm undersized, which a lot of kids on the Treasure Coast and in the Palm Beach County are, right? Mm -hmm. Not very highly recruited unless you play at some of these big schools. And yeah, I was one of those kids who wasn't highly recruited. So the process is a lot different. And I think some of the best advice I can give is, and you would appreciate this too, because you are a realist when it comes to a lot of stuff like this. Go to a place or hit coaches up at schools that you know you can play at, like don't mm -hmm. don't don't dream big, and, mm -hmm. I, and I know that's wild, right, 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 to hear somebody say, mm -hmm. but but be realistic, be opportunistic. Like where can you see yourself playing? Like I was able to play 
at Division II schools, at a few Division I FCS schools, right out the bat at a high school. But I figured I could go to junior college, which is basically an audition to go play at some of these bigger schools. And that's, I started contacting coaches, complete opposite of what Najee did, right? He was approached by these coaches and he was offered scholarships by these coaches. I was basically throwing my name into the mix with a lot of these coaches on social media and that ended up realizing that junior college was going to be the best route, right? I needed to go prove that I can play at the next level with a lot of guys who do have offers in bigger schools. So I wanted to go better myself a little bit. So I hit up a junior college coach, ended up going to play in New York, and soon after that did get a scholarship to go play at a Division One school. So just a complete different route than somebody like Najee. I had to do but it kind of myself. But what made you go to a school, like a football school in New York? Like football is not synonymous with the city of New York. No, it's not. But it was that the quarterbacks that they had on that team prior and where they, where I saw them commit, where I saw that if you played at a school, this was kind of the route you could go. So there were quarterbacks on that team that I went to play for in junior college in New York that graduated from the junior college and went and played in the FCS, which is a subdivision in mm-hmm. the Division One realm, right? Division One AA. And I knew that I was a Division One AA player. I knew I wasn't an FBS. I knew I wasn't going to go play at Texas A&M or for the Florida Gators like Najee. I knew that from the rip, which I think is important. Yeah, you have to know that. You, you just have to know that, yeah. right? Like you shouldn't be hitting coaches up at schools that – you, you really, you know, aren't realistically going to play there. So when I saw that the quarterbacks at that junior college were going to play in the FCS, I said, that's my path. I can do exactly what they did if I have the same statistics as they did, started the same amount of games, and just stuck to these coaches' hips, right? And, and they kept me in their back pocket. So it worked out just like that. There were coaches and, and quarterbacks that had connects to FCS schools. I went, performed well, ended up getting an FCS scholarship right out of junior college. So basically I had to go do it myself. And a lot of kids at junior college do that. And a lot of kids from this area do that. And I think that's uh, really important to understand how good you actually are and be mm-hmm. realistic with yourself. Well, I mean, but that's the thing, though, is that – and I want to make this very clear, is that we're, I'm not saying don't dream big or put a limitation of on your Of course dream. not. But what I'm saying is follow the steps, right? So you don't jump – like people try to jump steps. And what happens, if, if you try to go to like a big school, let's say you said, oh, I'm going to go to Florida State – and you and you didn't. If you went there and they were like, "Nope, can't have it," you might have gotten discouraged and never played at all. You might have quit football and never played at all. You might have gotten discouraged because you couldn't have made it there. Dean, you're right on the money. You're right on the money because kids from this area get offers from bigger schools, right? A, a coach knows them. A coach put in a good word for them, and now you're a kid in Martin County. You're a kid on the seven seven two. You're a kid from Port St. Lucie. You're a kid from Royal Palm Beach High School, right? And you get an offer from. Troy, uh, or let's go with Temple, a school that mm-hmm. you would know that's not as really high stakes as a lot of these other ones. So you get a te- you get an offer from Temple, and then two more offers coming late from Michigan, from Ohio State. Well, what happens with kids in this area, right, who do have big aspirations, want to go play on Sundays, but aren't being realistic with themselves, they accept that offer to Michigan. They accept that offer from Ohio State. And what they really should be doing is committing to Temple because that's where they're going to get on the field. Like, that's where they're going to play. So many kids, hundreds of thousands, 90% of them fall into that trap of going to the bigger name school because it's cooler for the girls in their high school to see them wearing that Michigan shirt. It's cooler for these guys to see them, you know, in all the Instagram pages being retweeted by all the Twitter stuff. No, go to where you can play ball. It's a big, big yeah, key. Because you could always get better and always. make it, but, you, but it's hard to go back. You know what I'm saying? Like, You're it's damn hard right. To, it's hard. Like, once you get the opportunity, if you fail, it's hard to get this second opportunity. So start and work your way up. All right, working your way up. We are going to work our way into a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some Tua and get into some other goofy nonsense. I'm Dean at Stone. This is Ken Levick Alive.